Welcome, friends, to a Holy Week edition of In Depth with Beth and Seth, a podcast of Plymouth Congregational Church during which we debrief, dig deeper, talk a little bit more about the message heard the prior Sunday. My name is Beth Hoffman Faith. I am the Minister for Congregational Care and Worship at Plymouth Congregational Church, and I am delighted to be talking with my colleague Seth Patterson about the sermon he preached yesterday on Palm Sunday, April 10th, 2022, entitled, Will You Tell Us, Seth? What was the the title? The title doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that in a second. My name is Seth Patterson. I am glad to be here with you as always, Beth. I'm your minister for spiritual formation and theater. And yeah, I got to preach yesterday, but I was on vacation the week and a half a week before that. So I had to choose a sermon title two weeks ago before I left town to visit Nora's family. And I just made a best guess at maybe what I would want to talk about, but it turns out that I had nothing to do with what I ended up preaching on. So the sermon is irrelevant. Well, the sermon is relevant. Um, I'm sorry, the sermon, the sermon title. title. <laughs> the sermon, t- well, <laughs> depends on who's listening. Uh, the sermon title is irrelevant. I couldn't even tell you what it is, but yeah, <laughs> it was on the text from the Palm Sunday text from Luke. I just want to dive in. This is my first question, first wondering. So we have Palm Sunday. And even if one is not a regular churchgoer, Seth, there's some sort of understanding of of the story. This is the beginning of Holy Week. We realize that between Sundays, uh, between Palm Sunday and Easter, a lot happens. Uh, Palm Sunday is, is a bit of a high holy day and people come with some perhaps awareness of the story, palm branches, Jesus coming in on a donkey waving, we're going to sing. It's going to be a pretty celebratory day. How do you as a preacher acknowledge and think about and discern what to do on a Sunday that happens every year? Yeah, Um, that annual retelling of the same story. It's similar to a Christmas or an Easter in that we don't get to choose really what we're preaching on. Most weeks we either have a theme or there's multiple, we can preach on a Psalm or something from the Hebrew Bible or something from the Christian Testament. We we have choices, but this week it's really just one. And yeah, people show up in, in a way that they don't always for other Sundays. And I think part of it is the props. We get a palm leaf, we get a thing. And there's something about that tangible thing that, I think draws people in. I wonder too, if it's also the familiarity of the story, like maybe you kind of know what to expect coming into Palm Sunday, even if you haven't been at church since the last Easter or something like that, there's, there's an awareness of, Hmm. Yeah. I I know this is familiar to me and uh, a little easier maybe to enter in just a thought. That's a good point. And I, I also wonder the barrier to entry is low. Yeah, if you are familiar with the basic concept of the day, you feel more confident in taking the risk of coming in. And we did find that there were um, more new people in attendance than we often see mm-hmm. or have been seeing. Both services were larger. Uh, our Sunday's attend in between was the best attended in in years since before the pandemic. Yes, indeed. And we waved those palms. 
We did. Even though, as you pointed out <laughs> in Luke's uh, telling of the story, there no are no palms. <laughs> no. Nope. I mean, so none of, if I remember right, none of the tellings name palm leaves. That is a later edition. It talks about they wave branches. Branches, yes. But we have at some point in the last 2000 years assigned them to be palm leaves. Well, we attribute it to there is a, a psalm that prophesies this encounter and oh, palm right. leaves and that and palm branches and that in that that's particular right. text. I think that's where we've made that connection. But Luke talks about the people only as gathering and putting their cloaks down, but does not mention anything about waving branches. And often Hosanna is a piece of Palm Sunday shouting Hosanna, Hosanna. And Luke says nothing about that either. No, no Hosannas in Luke. Right. And Hosanna is this really beautiful phrase that means save us, we pray. Yeah. And we sing it and it's in, it was also in um, some of the other, the anthems that we heard, but, and we said it in a couple of liturgical pieces, but we didn't hear it in scripture. No. <laughs> so as a preacher, what did you do with that? Oh, what? as you know, it's the complication of, or the challenge, I would say, of what do you do? Like I preached on this two years ago, so I can't, there's not just one thing you can say and I get to say it again. I had to find something different. And luckily I don't remember what I said and I couldn't say what you said about it last year. <laughs> um, so there is a bit of that challenge of finding new ways into the same story. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I, I had a title that didn't end up connecting to what I said. Because as I was writing, I, I struggled with the writing of this one quite a bit because I didn't, it, it was one where I discovered what I was saying as I was writing. I didn't know how I was interpreting this until I slogged through it. And I had come back from vacation and in re-entry was sort of my brain was fuzzy anyway. So mm-hmm. Saturday was a, a long day of staring at a computer screen in hopes that something would emerge. We've talked about this before though, that, that process. And I, I think that that that's not terribly unusual. I know that I've confessed that what I approach when I approach my writing, where I think I'm going to go is not where I end up going. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and sometimes it is a part of that process that comes easier some weeks than others. I appreciate that you uh, came to writing the sermon after some time away and time off. And sometimes that re-entry is is really um, startling (laughs) to say the least. Indeed. Indeed. Especially coming from 80 degree weather to sleet and darkness. Um, Yes. uh, So in many ways, the, the way I started the sermon was asking people where they would place themselves in the story. The power of stories, and you and I have both talked about this, is that we can put ourselves into it. And um, I called it a speculative experience Mm. in that by placing yourself into a story that you are not physically experiencing, you get to have a test run at maybe who you would be, maybe what you would do, or as I asked, would you even have shown up? And so I started both the sermon and my own exploration with that question. I start a lot of sermons with the stories like, who would I be in this? Mm -hmm. How am I entering into this story? And normally that will just guide me. But this time I made it everybody's question. And who would you be? Would you have been a disciple, a Pharisee, a crowd person, or would you have not even shown up? Well, and you helped us sort of broaden that 
understanding by also offering up some other historical events, you know, as a way to enter into the Palm Sunday story, you invited us to consider where we might be or where you would be yeah. uh, at some other critical moments in history. And I thought that that was helpful. You also told me before we started recording that you got some interesting responses to uh, offering this question about where, where one might be or where one might place themselves in a story. One specifically, I, it's one of those things I wish somebody had told me before I wrote it because mm. I would have included it. Uh, and she, she said, which me, which age changes the answer completely. She mm. said when she was young, she was sort of militant. And then when she was 18, she would have been a Pharisee. When she was 20, she wouldn't have shown up because she was raising children. But now she'd be untying that donkey. And that recognition of the layers of your own self and that you yourself are not a singular thing, like you change. It, it was a beautiful response. And I really appreciated that. And, and it's I've been thinking about that. There would have been times in my life where I would have heard that question and I would have been the Pharisee. Shut it down. Mm. This is inconvenient. This is disruptive. And right. there's been other times where I would not have shown up at all. Well, and that premise, the way you set that sort of up for us to imagine the road, the palm branches, whether they're there, are the cloaks, <laughs> yeah. the donkey, Jesus coming in, the crowds that had gathered. It's really helpful to, for me, it's very helpful to imagine that in my head, to be able to really see the story and then begin to wonder where my place in it is. But you segued from that into, to me, what was the core of your message in terms of whether or not you would have shown up then, we need to show up now. Like our, our presence is essential for the story to continue. Yeah. And what was helpful for me in connecting that was realizing that how this story went was planned. Like Jesus didn't accidentally get on a donkey and march into the city. This was not a accidental moment. Jesus and his followers and the writers of the story were aware of how one shows up, how it matters. And so Jesus showed up with all of this history, connecting his actions and the words to scripture, to Psalms, to prophecy. And the way that he entered the city was a upending of the same concept of a king or an emperor or a general or a governor entering the city with a big parade. Hmm. So all of this was planned. And so this awareness of how not only showing up matters, but how you show up matters. You have to have an understanding and a knowing of your own history and of what you want to happen. And one of the commentators that I read had this beautiful phrase that this was the proclamation of a fragile possibility. Mm. And so we all, when we show up, if we are thoughtful about it and intentional, we are living into a fragile possibility. And Jesus's fragile possibility of being the king that saved everything failed. He was tortured and murdered by the Romans. But that possibility didn't go away. It's just now in our hands. And it's just as fragile as it was 2,000 years ago. Yes, I have to say that that phrase uh, really has stayed with me. The thought uh, you know, that this moment of fragile possibility makes me think about all the fragile possibility that lays before us at this time and place. And your sermon 
was an invitation, a challenge uh, to keep showing up for these for this fragile possibility to to be created. Uh, and I have to say, of course, I resonated because you you moved us to the place I always want to go, Seth, and named uh, it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, which is. You're no. welcome, Beth. Thank you. And I know you said we, we wouldn't even need to talk about it uh, today on the podcast, but we got to talk about it. The how, the how of showing up. <laughs> I was cheering from either in front of you or behind you, depending on uh, which service we were in. But I did really appreciate it that you moved it to that direction. For those of us who listeners who are like, yeah, show, yeah, we need to continue to show up to make these possibilities realities. And how do we do that? Yeah. Well, I found myself unsatisfied listening to my own words, (laughs) as you do when you are working on it. I found myself unsatisfied with where I was going. Like, okay, yeah. And Mm -hmm. what does showing up mean? Because so many people will, they have a very narrow view of showing up that, well, I'm not, I don't want to go to a a march. I'm not going to go downtown and protest. Okay. Well, that's not the only way to show up. Well, I don't have any money to give. Okay. That's not the only way to show up. But before you can determine how you can show up, there's some things that ways that you can help direct yourself. And that's what I, I needed to hear from myself, which was those hows. But it also circles back to what you, you know, about midpoint in the sermon, you talk about how showing up matters. Yeah. Like, and that Jesus actions that day mattered. So did the crowds. They were the creators of the story as we are. So what we do makes a difference. What we do matters. Mm -hmm. You you were very clear on that. And so I think that before we can even identify how to show up, we need to be able to name for ourselves what it is that matters. What, where are we going to get involved? Where are we going to direct our energies? What matters to us that we might see right now only as a fragile possibility that we want to make reality. And that to me is a really excellent challenge for a Palm Sunday sermon, Seth. And the way that it came and it made sense to me to ask that question is between discomfort and fear or discomfort and pain. They're all things that we are afraid of. And I'm not asking us to do those things. There's all things that hurt us. And I'm not asking us to do those, but discomfort is different. Mm. There are things that we're uncomfortable with that we avoid because it can feel like fear or it can feel like pain. So try to slice that for yourself. And once you put yourself in stories and figure out if you would be uncomfortable or afraid or uncomfortable or pained, then you can figure out, maybe have more awareness of how you in your own life would be able to show up. I remember one time in a racial justice conversation, somebody said very clearly, I am not going to do anything that is unsafe. Like, you're right. And nobody's asking you to, but... They heard the conversation about discomfort as being the same thing. Well, I've been thinking a lot about being uncomfortable lately. And I think uncomfortable leads us to growth, Mm -hmm. uh, stretching ourselves in ways we were either not terribly sure of, or, but again, if we find that we're being led towards what matters, uh, that is often what is new and unfamiliar to us is often an uncomfortable place. And to be invited into that discomfort is a really powerful thing, especially when, when you remind us that 
it's not about pain. It's not about being unsafe. It's about just doing something outside of our norm. Yeah. And we have a culture and a society that often asks us to stay within what is comfortable. Mm-hmm. We have a whole thing built around comfort and it tells us that discomfort is unsafe or painful. And, mm-hmm. and I think Christianity, the teachings of Jesus push against that and say, Jesus didn't say, well, whatever you feel like doing, Jesus said, give it all up. Yep. Yes, indeed. And the reality too, is that we're, we're moving into an uncomfortable week. Holy yeah. week. <laughs> Is not meant to be comfortable. A lot True. happens uh, to Jesus following that little ex- excursion on a donkey. And we as Christians need to wrestle with that. W- regardless of our Christology, regardless of how we examine the resurrection, we really we really need to live in the, the, the discomfort of Holy Week. So we come together on Monday, Thursday. We remember these important moments in, in Jesus' walk to the cross. We pause on Good Friday, uh, to think about what Jesus death and sacrifice means for us now. And, and, you know, it all ends up in this beautiful way to celebrate life and uh, the triumph over death, but it's not, it's not comfortable getting there, but we gotta, we gotta move through the essential pieces to really experience the Easter joy. That is how I should have ended the sermon. What you just said, that, (laughs) that connection, I didn't make it. (laughs) And I should have. Instead, I did what it felt. Um, I was worried that felt like a little bit of too much of a commercial for our own things. But part of the gift of church is that we can practice some of these things in our own place. And so I did a commercial for our podcast for um, of Tuesday noon vigil for singing for showing up for our children and youth like our contemplatives, all these other ways of doing it, but Holy Week would have been a more sermonic connection. Yes, but also the church provides this beautiful container for showing up. There are so many ways we can show up uh, in community at Plymouth, and you reminded us of that. Well, Seth, thanks for preaching a sermon worth talking about. (laughs) I'm glad it was. (laughs) (laughs) I was worried it wouldn't be. If you haven't yet listened to Seth's sermon, I invite you to go to Plymouth's YouTube channel or our website and uh, and take a listen. And as always, it is really fun to talk through these things with you, Seth. Thanks for a great conversation. Welcome to Holy Week, friends. I, I pray that it will be a meaningful time for you and that you all will think about what showing up means for you. Absolutely. Be well. Thanks all.